You are listening to Share a Slice with Sean. Atroma, low budget is the name of the game. And nobody does it better than owners Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz. All I knew ahead of time was that my foot was to be ripped off. This is traumatic. In the history of the motion picture industry, in all the history of movies, there has never been a movie studio that has existed for 20 years without a hit. And uh, we are proud to say Absolutely. that as long as we continue in charge of the Troma Studios, we will continue this perfect track record. Tromaville is a dingy four-floor walk-up that contains the edit rooms, sound effects, libraries, and production offices, where dozens of very traumatic films are made. Welcome to the class of Newcomb High. Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. Dead dudes in the house, man. Surf Nazis must die. Haunting fear. It's from Troma. Thank you for calling Troma Entertainment. If you know your party's extension, you may dial it at any time. For a directory by name, dial 411. After the tone, please say your name and company. This is Sean from uh, Share a Slice with Sean Podcast. I have an interview with Lloyd. Please hold while I try that extension. Hello? Hey, it's Sean. Hey, Sean, how you doing? This is John. Hey, John. Hey, man. Um, so if you want to hold on a second, I'll get you to Lloyd. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you. One second. Hi, Sean. Hey, Lloyd. Nice to talk to you. <coughs> Good talking to you. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Montreal, Quebec. Ah, tu veux parler français ou anglais? On va parler français. Oh, no, anglais, anglais. <laughs> oh, okay. Anglais, ça va. The English goes, no problem. Yeah, your French is good. Yes, uh, I'm very, uh, very bourgeois. <laughs> I'm well-educated, I'm not a fat slob, and I'm not a stupid American victim of uh, 50 years of no school, of shit schools, yeah, and no health care. I've been lucky enough to be uh, bourgeois, so I'm well-educated, and uh, I've, I've actually read a few books. Unlike uh, 99% of the American public who have been denied education and health care for 75 years, and uh, the result is D Donald Trump. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, right? the rest of the world is pretty mystified, right? Well, we're, we're shocked. We can't believe that well, uh, this guy's in charge. Well, yeah, well... It's uh, it, it isn't the guy. It's the uh, seventy years of uh, denying the public decent education. So you got a bunch of idiots, right? You know, the pub, as, as they say, that people get what uh, they deserve. And uh, when you have idiots, uh, this is what you get. Luckily, Montreal is a beautiful city. Chateau de Sex is still going, and uh, it's a, a wonderful place. Yeah, I mean, uh, next time you're in town, let me know. I mean, this is, well, actually, the the big comedy thing is almost over. Yeah, they should invite me. I'm better. I'm I I can do better improvisational comedy than at least half of the comedians that uh, I've I've been to the just for real, just for laughs. Mm -hmm. Is that the festival? Just for laughs. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. I got invited once or twice. Uh, uh, I, I was definitely funnier than. I would, uh, easily half of the uh, comedians, without even having material, just off the top of my head. I, I can believe it. But they do have terrific comedians there, too. They also have the finest, you know, the best. Well, they bring in the best. So, yeah, well, tell them know. to bring me in next year. I'll, I'll put in a good word. I that would be just great. find someone who will listen to me. That's it. I'm listening to you, Sean McGuire. Thanks, Lloyd. <laughs> hey, Lloyd, I saw this movie last night. It was called Return to Newcomb High, and it was just fabulous. I oh, laughed my butt off. Thank you. Is it uh, Volume One? I take it. Yeah, I haven't had I haven't had a chance to lay my hands on Volume Two yet. Yeah, I need a theater in Montreal. So you know the Fantasia uh, Festival, uh, which is a great festival, but I couldn't I couldn't come. You know, I had a paid gig, uh, uh, and I, I I couldn't make it, so they didn't. You know, I, I offered to send the two stars, 
the two young, attractive female stars, one of whom has the greatest breasts you've ever seen. Um, and the uh, festival wouldn't play the movie without me coming. And I just couldn't do it because we're broke and I have to take paid gigs. So um, if there's any movie theater in Montreal, like Le Parc or any of those theaters that uh, would like to play uh, the movie, um, I would come there and do Q&A and I can do it in French or English and uh, make uh, jokes about Celine and her baby and all that kind of crap. I'll talk to my friend uh, Randolph. Maybe he can get in touch with his friends of the Concordia there and see if we could get Yeah, the Concordia, there. sure. That would be great. Yeah, well, I'll definitely uh, talk with uh, Randolph. I'm going to meet him right after the show here, and uh, we'll see what he says. Oh, that'd be great. He said he actually met you a couple of times in the uh, Fantasia Festival. Yeah, so. I love Fantasia, but unfortunately, I, I'm still not quite sure what happened. But uh, but um, that's the, the, since I didn't go and since they haven't shown this movie, uh, I'm sure there's a huge... The last uh, Volume 1, when it played Fantasia, they played it at... Uh, nine at night and the play was the only sold out show it was entirely they had to schedule another show as i remember it was uh, totally sold out in that huge theater so i think part two uh, you know maybe we show one and two you know do a uh a little marathon you know show part one at eight o'clock and part two at ten o'clock that that would be amazing i, I really yeah. enjoyed the the lesbian love story. Well, volume two, it gets better. Volume two is even more original and more uh, risk-taking, and I think you'll like it better. The Museum of the Moving Image had a big class of Newcomb High Day, and uh, they premiered volume two, and the audience was was full. You know, They loved it. And then we just had the Canadian premiere in Vancouver at Cine Fantastique, and same thing. The audience preferred two. To, they loved one, but they preferred two. So uh, I think you'll be uh, even happier with Volume 2. So see what you can do about a theater. Definitely. Uh, I know that uh, when I was watching the film, at least, it was funny the way at the first part of the film, it showed the uh, the couple there in the in the broom closet. And that was like a directly taken off from the uh, the Newcomb High, basically, because Return to Newcomb High is like a kind of like a reboot, I guess, of that. Welcome to Tromaville High, an average American high school, with one exception. It's located only one mile away from a nuclear power plant. They said it was 100% safe. But they were wrong. There's no danger, Governor. We have the situation well in hand. <laughs> Welcome to the class of Newcomb High. Yes, at Newcomb High, strange things are happening. The Honor Society has changed from a group of clean-cut preppies into a vicious gang of cretins. Yeah, it's a revisiting of the class of Newcomb High. Uh, the, the idea came from, uh, you know, our partners on this movie, uh, Stars Medium, uh, Stars Media, rather, uh, they're a division of a, a nasty a giant company, but they gave me total freedom, and uh, um, they lived up to their contractual requirements. But it was the guy there whose idea it was. He wanted to remake Class of Newcomb High, and they wanted to do it uh, with me directing, obviously with a low budget. And uh, I said, okay, as long as there's no interference, uh, you can you know you can do your usual shitty dump job uh, when it comes to distribution. But as far as the movie goes, um, uh, you can't touch the art. And they lived up to their uh, word. They did a shitty job distributing, and they left the art alone. That's an example of this whole idea of auteur, right? The idea that you have control over your movie and what happens in your movie from start to finish, presumably. Yeah. Which doesn't really happen these days with most of the big budgets. They, no one wants to take any risks. Well, no even the... To, even the so-called independent movies that are made in conjunction or, or, or distributed by uh, the vassals of the big companies, right? The Sony Classics or uh, those companies that go to the Toronto Festival, those shitty little divisions of, uh, um, you know, you know, 20th Century Fox Searchlight and 
and Sony Classics, and then the French companies. It's always the same companies at, at Toronto International Film Festival, right? The same little coterie of critics, the same little esoteric bullshitters. So they, uh, the only movies they take are movies that are safe, or the big movies, like you say, the blockbusters. But the uh, the, in, the so-called independent movies uh, are not independent. They're they're movies that are made by. Uh, paint by pictures, right? They might have a gay person, they'll have a black person, but they won't do anything that's controversial. There's no risk-taking, no risk-taking, and they're not going to embrace any themes that are going to be forward-looking. It's always backward-looking. A perfect example, they didn't understand, the programmers did not understand Poultry Guy's Night of the Chicken Dead. They didn't get it. That was the exact words of Colin Geddes. He didn't get it. He didn't get us. He didn't get us it. <laughs> but all these festivals two years later are playing uh, Zombievers, right? Which is, a, uh, you know, I, I have no objection to that movie, but it's a very mediocre movie. It's got no political uh, information or point of view. It's got no sociological satire, really. And it's safe. Well, hey, what happened to the ancient Tomahawk tribe sacred Indian burial ground that used to be here? They bulldozed it and replaced it with another one of those fast food restaurants. What do we want? For the evil that will work to bring back and To cease the destruction of our beloved country and the replacing of our purple mountain majesties with corporate cookie cutter retail slots. When do we want it? Geist, unfortunately, had a little bit of a, you know, it, it, it talked about the genocide of the Indians. It, it, it talked about how bad fast food is. So, you know, if anybody's getting money from Tim Hortons, which I'm sure Toronto International Film Festival is, or other junk food companies or cigarette companies or wherever they get their money, uh, of course, they're not going to play Poultry Geist, even though it's a masterpiece, even though it's my foul movement. But I'm more interested in the legacy. I'm more interested in in uh, leaving behind uh, movies that uh, will move people and change the world uh, than making money. You only need so much money, right? Yeah, that's the true. The people who are these billionaires and who are running your country and my country, do and the labor leaders and the bureaucrats who are running your country and my country, uh, they, you can only live on so much money. You don't need $200 million, right? You don't need uh, 500,000 acres of uh, you know, land that belong to the Indians. You can live for a modest amount of money and make, make some art that will uh, perhaps affect people, change the world for the better. And when you're dead, which I hope in my case will be soon, you can uh, you leave behind something that's meaningful, something that they... Uh, that 20 years from now they'll imitate and return to Newcomb High will be imitated by uh, the mainstream people in 20 years, as is uh, Toxic Avenger, constantly imitated. Just look at Deadpool. Tell me a little bit about the actual production. So you have Return to Newcomb High and then you had Newcomb High. And I watched both films. I really super enjoyed them. Actually, I, I had a real crush on Janelle Brady. She was uh, great. Chrissy. She was terrific, yeah. I knew a girl... Her name, first name was Robin back in, in, it was in high school. She had the same haircut as Janelle and everything. I could transfer all of my uh, lustful thoughts onto Janelle Brady on the screen. Well, I don't want to be a spoiler, but uh, you might see her again in volume two. Um, now, uh, Sean, um, uh, what's interesting about Janelle Brady is apparently she's gone missing. And um, her husband or boyfriend or significant other put out an alert about ten, a year ago uh, she she apparently must must have gone off the rails and uh, uh, last seen living in the streets or something in Las Vegas or something. And uh, we we put a lot of stuff up. You know, he asked us to put stuff up on our social, which we did. And uh, but I haven't heard anything about it. So I assume she's. Oh, that's tragic. Yeah, she apparently uh, had some problems. I you know I honestly after class of Nukemai I never spoke to her. No, that's not true. She came back to audition for Tromeo and Juliet. 
Ah, another great film. Yeah, she was a little bit uh, long in the tooth for for Juliet, and yet she was too too beautiful and young looking for the mother. So for Capulet's wife, so we really didn't have much. We didn't have anything for her, but she did a terrific uh, audition, and everybody loved her. But uh, that's the last we saw of her, unfortunately. Wow. We should have written some for her because she uh, she was very good. Yeah, it's a pity. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I hope, hopefully, she was found and got help or whatever. But I just don't know. I don't know. I know every time I go to Las Vegas, I think about her. She had that role, and then I looked, and she didn't really have all that much uh, no, else going no, on. At least, no, no. that was just her, her her big thing. Yeah, she did a great job. Well, the same with the woman in Toxic, uh, the Toxic Avenger, Andre Miranda. I I can't find. I I know she's okay. Uh, but I can't find hide nor hair of her. I can't. I've, we've tried to contact her for DVDs and Blu-rays, and and um, I, we, we can't find her. Nothing. Wow. I'm quite certain she's okay. I think she may have just, you know, gotten married and wanted to disappear. Forget all this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard anything untoward about her. But it's just bizarre. She did that one movie. She's absolutely unique in the movie. You know, I mean, Janelle, I mean, uh, Andre Miranda uh, was the best, uh, in my opinion, the best of the Toxie, um, significant others. Uh, She was the most original. And uh, probably because she wasn't really an actress. That's the thing. They don't look like actresses. So just like how I was talking about how she reminded me of Robin, all of the... I mean, all the actors and actresses, or, or a great deal of them, they all look like the kind of people that you you might go to high school with, that you might like, yeah. you know, stand a chance. Well, that's <laughs> that's why it's nice to make low budget movies and not have to deal with the, the Taylor Swift or uh, uh, you know Gwyneth Paltrow because you can't look at a movie. It's impossible to look at a movie with with uh, Selma Hayek or with uh, uh, Emma Stone. You can't look at a movie with those people without it being Emma Stone. It's impossible. Whereas you can take uh, um, Asta Paredes or um, Katie Cochran from Return to Newcomb High. They just look like people, right? You don't have that second thing where it's always going to be Paul Newman or whatever. You know, movie stars are movie stars. And and you can't look at the movie without that framing of, of the movie with the star. And it's a pity that the mainstream critics and the mainstream media uh, feel that there has to be uh, one of these mega stars in the movie to give it uh, legitimacy, right? They always ask, who's in it? Who's in it? Or how much did it cost? That's what they always ask. When you were filming Return to Newcomb High and versus Newcomb High, I mean, there must have been like radically different uh, challenges between those two uh, filmings. The first class of Newcomb High cost $450,000. The one we made 30 years later cost about the same budget, which means it actually cost about 20% of the original, right? With inflation. Yeah. So we're making movies for less thanks to our fans. Because our fans come uh, on the return to Newcomb High. We had fans uh, come from Japan, Portugal, England, France, California, Canada. And they came all the way to Niagara Falls, New York, uh, where we all lived in in an abandoned funeral home. And not abandoned, (laughs) a vacant funeral home. And we slept on the... About 80 people slept on the floor of this giant, big, big uh, room. And uh, Asta and Katie had their own little room, but there was only one bathroom for everybody. And um, the place, apparently the place was haunted. I didn't see anything, but uh, a number of people complained about it. But they all get paid, but uh, very, you know, 10% of what they get on a real movie. So it's thanks to our fans. The fans make the movies. The fans act in the movies. The fans, like you, help us distribute the movies. You're going to get me a Montreal theater. <laughs> so we wouldn't be here without the, without the internet and without our fans. The trauma would be long gone, without a doubt. With the digital technology these days, you, you don't have to worry so much about buying the film. I mean, uh, you get instant uh, recognition of what a scene's like. I, I'm not a film guy, but I'm just wondering, like, 
technically speaking, is it better or is it worse? Uh, it's a very good question, Sean. Uh, I stayed with 35 millimeter until return to Newcomb High. Um, I thought 35 millimeter looked better, but by the time return to Newcomb High came along, I thought the digital looked better. And I used the Araflex Alexa camera, and uh, it cost $50,000 when we used it. And it's a magnificent. I mean, the, the, the return to Newcomb High is the best-looking trauma movie, and it's because of that camera. But um, it was crazy expensive, and I, I wouldn't have done it except that the director of photography would put the. I was afraid to say no because I'm a coward. But I, <laughs> I, I regret it uh, because on uh, Poultry Geist I had three 35 millimeter cameras for the same price for less. Yeah. But the digital now the costs have come down, and these cameras are, are terrific. I carry a camera with me that's, uh, you know, fits in my knapsack, and it's four four thousand K which is as good as uh, any Hollywood movie. You know, I wouldn't use it on a movie, but my uh, these little short pieces we do, if you go to... Uh, do you know about Troma's uh, YouTube channel? It's all free. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so a lot of the short pieces, uh, you know, there's a lot of shorts there that we've made, uh, you know, public service announcements or introductions or commentary or political statements. And the, the, the this new camera I have that's basically a home movie camera it's the quality is astounding so the tempest which we're doing next the cost of the cameras will be a lot less and i'll have three cameras again you guys are going back to shakespeare then yes yes we are the tempest uh, it's called uh, uh, the working title is shakespeare's tempest uh, slash trauma's shitstorm <laughs> i like that. probably be my last film too Shitstorm in a teapot. <laughs> That's a <good> one. <laughs> probably use that phrase somewhere. It says shitstorm in a teapot. What was the what's the tempest in a teapot? What are, what's the phrase? Yeah, tempest in a teapot. It's That's real. It, yeah, make it yeah. Out. No, I know. It's famous. So you did return to Newcomb High. You, you filmed that in 2013. It, I think it got released in 2014. At least it it did. Maybe it sounds about Canada. all right. I don't yeah. know. It may have been. It's about it's something like that. Yeah. But then return to return to Newcomb High, that's the next one. Here we are in, in 2017. That's like, what, like four years difference? This has been a seven-year project. Why, why did, what was the delay? Like, what, what was the right. challenges involved It takes a year or two to write the script. It takes a year to prepare. And then uh, it takes a year to go into production. You know, it takes a long time. And the nice thing about digital is you can shoot more you know if we make a mistake or if there's something that isn't clear we can do a lot more filming in the post-production because it, it, it doesn't cost as much as if we had to go with 35 and and rent the equipment again and get all the lighting back and get a truck and get a yeah you can almost sort of film and edit and film and edit and uh, we didn't do that for volume one but for volume two a lot of the filming while we were editing, and uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, like it kind of you get you get like a good feedback loop there. Well, it's also it makes the film very uh, mem is meme no uh, meta meta uh, volume. I don't want to be a spoiler, but volume two is extremely meta if that's the right word. Uh, like Brecht, Bertolt Brecht, uh, you know. We've always been breaking the fourth wall. We've been met. From the beginning, where characters talked to, you know, from the 70s, we'd have characters talk to the camera or talk about, uh, hey, this is a trauma movie we're in now. You know, they'd, they'd say it on screen, and we used to take a lot of criticism for that. But now, if, if you've seen Deadpool, now even the $200 million movies are using uh, our traumas uh, breaking the fourth wall, and it's become very stylish. And the Deadpool directors are big fans of trauma, of course. Uh, they they talk about Toxic Avenger and how it influenced them. And I don't know if you've seen it, but it's an excellent film. They've got a blind woman in it. They've got a disfigured guy. Uh, and, and they've got a lot of uh, combining humor and uh, violence, which uh, was not accepted back in the 70s or 80s or 90s. <laughs> I'm a bit of a, a wimp when it comes to watching horror films. Like, if it's the modern horror films with all the gore and stuff, I'm just like, oh, it's too much gore. I can't take it. Right. But when I watch like uh, Poltergeist or Toxic Avenger or, you know, Return to Newcomb High, 
there's something about the way these films are put together with the with the comedy involved with it. It kind of relaxes me, and I just start laughing. I just find it funny when you know some some guy's head gets crushed. Well, it's cartoon. See, uh, South Park. Though, uh, you know that Trey Parker and Matt Stone right. started with us and were heavily influenced by us. Uh, when they were making Cannibal the Musical. I mean, they used to have trauma, toxic Avenger parties when they were in college. And uh, South Park's got all that stuff. But it works for a bigger demographic when it's on cartoon form, right? Because right. a lot of people will look at the toxic Avenger and still be upset by it, uh, Where even though you enjoyed it and saw the humor. And, but there's still a huge part of the audience who doesn't like the cartoon violence with real people. Whereas in a cartoon, you know, Daffy Duck, right? Looney Tunes, how many Looney Tunes where the steamroller rolls over somebody and they're flat and the guy gets up and he's a pancake, you know, he's staggering around like a pancake and you laugh. Or or those Tom and Jerry cartoons, uh, you know, where uh, the, the mouse takes a sledgehammer to the ha- the cat's head and flattens it and and um, but people laugh you know because it's a cartoon it's not unreal uh you know that James Gunn uh, who wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy he uh, wrote Romeo and Juliet and worked here for two or three years uh, and Deadpool for sure um the blood and guts uh, cartoon style is uh, totally accepted in the mainstream so uh our sin is that we don't have big stars, we don't have big budgets, and we don't have uh, publicity. I think that another sin is maybe you guys are just a bit ahead of the curve. Oh, yeah, we're 20 years ahead of the Yeah, we're way ahead of the curve. That's the other. You're right. That's absolutely, first of all, we're totally independent. We're the only independent movie studio that's existed for 44 years. And that they hate. They hate that. These little shits like, uh, well, I don't want to name names, but the gatekeepers. You know, they're frustrated movie makers, half of them, where they want to produce. Or, and meanwhile, they're acquisition people at uh, festivals or studios. And, and and they see us out there. They think we're doing great and we're having so much fun and we're famous. And uh, and uh, but, I, but I hate my life. And uh, because of them, I hate, you know, it's horrible. But they're jealous of us. So they want to keep us down. And, of course, the mainstream critics, they can't uh, really badmouth, uh, you know, Dunkirk, no matter how boring and stupid it is, or the even worse movies, they can't because they, uh, they lose advertising. You know, the New York Times will twist itself into a, a pretzel to talk about uh, a movie that has zombies in it distributed by 20th Century Fox uh, uh, to try to uh, make it sound artistic, but they never did anything about Romero. They didn't even mention Romero in that article. Uh, then when he died, of course, they, they mentioned him. But uh, that's how they do it. They're full of shit. Meet little Melvin. He's a 90-pound weakling. Everyone hated Melvin. Yeah, I'm going to take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I want to do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. Transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. The first superhero born out of nuclear waste. Yes, the muggers and the rapists didn't know what law and order was until the Toxic Both Toxic Avenger and Nukem High had this idea of pollution. Which you seemed betcha. to be like miles ahead of its time. I mean, we yes. we didn't all wake up to this until like decades later. Yeah, well, the uh, Al Gore, who ran almost became president of the United States, he got a Nobel Peace Prize. What thirty years after Toxic Avenger, he didn't, and he didn't even deserve it. There were two scientists who were doing the work who nobody <laughs> got. Totally no one remembers the scientists. No, I guess no, no one remembers them. I don't think they shared the award. I think it all went to Fatso. <laughs> he also he also made two hundred million dollars uh, after being vice president, and and he and his fat wife trying to uh, censor music. Right? They wanted to make their bones. They wanted to to build their career on censoring music, not for children but for adults. Telling us adults 
that Frank Zappa's music or that Dee Snyder's music was not fit for an adult, that should that be censored, should be kept, right? But it didn't work because the American public saw them as hypocrites and saw them as bullshitters and uh, luckily uh, threw them out. That's true when it's out in your face, but when you've got people working in the background, like, for instance, this net neutrality business here, where you've got all these uh, big companies, one one side of their face, they're saying, oh, yeah, we we all agree about, uh, you know, people being able to use the internet, blah, blah. And on the other side, they're, uh, you know, cutting deals and making sure that uh, they can put in a fast lane or a slow That's lane right. or whatever. Well, the rich and powerful, uh, look, AT&T, which is our biggest phone company, or one of them is uh, buying is going to own Time Warner, which owns HBO, right? So, so they're going to be favoring, and they, you know, H, uh, AT&T is an ISP, right? It's at least I get my phone service from AT&T, and uh, uh, Comcast, which is a cable company, owns uh, Universal Pictures and Universal Theme Parks and NBC TV, and and so these giant uh, mega conglomerates, this cartel, has spent hundreds of millions of dollars in Washington to get rid of net neutrality and it's working because the the uh, by October it's going to be gone our federal communications commission has said it's going to destroy net neutrality get rid of it and uh, I don't know how it works in Canada but uh, I imagine it's not much better there our standards board whatever it is uh, regulatory board just finished declaring um, internet uh, an essential service type thing yeah I recently actually got uh, a whole bunch more uh, uh, data on my data plan here because uh, one of the big ISPs up here lost a court case. They are actually uh, trying to make it so that if you get your streaming off of the web, mm -hmm. you have to pay. But if you get the, your streaming movies off their website, you don't pay. Mm -hmm. And uh, that didn't go over very well. So yeah. luckily, things are still moving in the right direction here, but I don't know for how long. Just the opposite here. Here, AT&T is going to be permitted to favor its content over your or my or their competitors' content. Or trauma. You no, know? we'll be gone. We'll, we'll be gone. Uh, we'll be gone, I think. Uh, I think a lot of people. And there'll be no innovation. Because innovators who, you know, who invented Kickstarter? They had no money when they started. They had to go online, uh, they, uh, the internet. We wouldn't know about it, right? Think of all the inventions and movies and and books and vapes, things that were invented that have all been launched thanks to the Internet uh, because of Kickstarter or Indiegogo or Patreon. The Netflixes of tomorrow, the innovation of tomorrow won't happen because uh, if you're a startup and you have no money, how are you going to go on the superhighway? How are you going to develop it? And if if the public has to wait for long periods of buffering and, and throttling, they're going to stay off the internet. They just their public will go to the superhighway where it's going to be uh, fast and uh, and no choice. But they'll put up with it. The public will put up with it because as long as Batman Twenty Four is available, no matter how shitty it is, or as long as crap like uh, Suicide Squad, and as long as you're brainwashed by two hundred million dollars of advertising, uh, the fourteen-year-old kids will go to the uh, superhighway. And there'll be no innovation. There'll be absolutely no innovation other than what comes out of out of the giant uh, drug companies or the giant uh, you know, conglomerates. Yeah, actually, uh, if you want to explain it to the average person, maybe you could just say that the inter your Internet at home will be shitty, like the shitty Internet you get at the Hilton. Well, or you better know? yet, just tell the average person, hey, uh, when they get rid of net neutrality, uh, you'll have no more porn. How's that? <laughs> well, you'll have to pay a lot more money. You'll have to pay for the free porn. Pay for porn? Who does yeah, that? Yeah, I know. Well, you'll, if, it, if they go on the superhighway, and I guess porn has the money to do it, I would imagine they'll start charging uh, because they'll uh, have the uh, the smaller sites will drop off, and uh, you know that would be my guess. You'll have to pay for pay for porn. That'd probably be meaningful to uh, a lot of people, <laughs> but most people don't get it. Most people don't understand that neutrality. A couple of nights ago, I watched All the Love You Can, right? Yes. And uh, that was 2001, where they a lot of people treated you guys like shit over there at Cannes. Yeah. And then I, I do a, a Google search here, 
And it turns out that things didn't go so well down uh, there, at, uh, rather up there at Cannes this year either. No, much worse. It got, uh, it's much worse. Yeah. In fact, I'm never going back. It's fascism. And fascism is creeping into uh, uh, the Western world because, uh, I mean, just a small example, but it is clearly, uh, it's here. Uh, Google and, and Amazon have been removing immoral art, right? And uh, the artists... When fascism comes in, they're the first to get it in the ass. They're the first to be no, to be identified as immoral and subversive, right? The Nazis, remember? They, they, they confiscated all the modern art, all the abstract art, all the anything that uh, was uh, kind of personal or, or visionary, they, they confiscated it as immoral. They called it immoral. That was the first step. Then they got the Jews, of course. Well, you know. yeah. So uh, now it's uh, the same thing, except it's not the Nazis. It's Google and and the it's the mainstream. They they you you get rid of net neutrality, so you have no divi- no no diversity of opinions, or, or uh, no innovation, no modern uh, thinking, uh, uh, nothing that's forward looking. And uh, you uh, go after the artists, which is what they're doing on Amazon and Google, right? They're demonetizing the independent uh, movies, and they're demo- and the Amazon's just kick is kicking off thousands of independent movies, uh, so-called for so-called moral reasons. But they don't seem to be kicking off the the mainstream movies that have uh, so-called moral problems. So Facebook's also uh, got the creeping. Uh, they don't remove the Nazi stuff. They don't remove the uh, pro-ISIS uh, speeches. They don't remove the anti-black or anti-Jewish uh, videos. But they've uh, but Facebook uh, cut me off for thirty days, and no, the, the, the not for no reason. The, the word "witch" apparently was in one of my uh, posts. I posted a, a, a picture of a woman uh, who had some tattoos and uh, uh, nothing was naked and there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with uh, with the picture other than in her description she said something about being a witch <laughs> so i assume that wow. that's bad too you can't be a witch uh, can't say the word witch but i didn't see raging bull getting pulled off uh, the uh, internet uh, that ha- you know robert de niro says fuck every 5 minutes Every two minutes, right? They took our movies off. They demonetized our movies because of language, or I don't. They don't tell you why. They just do it. But they don't do the majors, the majors, or the or the little favorites that the Cannes Film Festival and the Toronto Film Festival high five each other about. Those don't get removed because they're safe. This happened even back in the day, like even back in God. This must have been like ten years ago or something. How? Uh, they would they would screw around with the ratings. Yes, so that's so you guys that's right. would end up with an R, yeah. and the other people would end up with a PG. Yeah, the ratings eventually dissolved because the public understood that there was a, a, a double standard that Bruce Willis's movie Die Hard could have all the blood and all the exploding kneecaps, all the serious violence, serious realistic violence, as much as they want, and get an R rating. But Troma's War. Uh, which had cartoon violence and goofy stuff. Uh, every bullet hit, every punch, dead bodies were taken off. We had to remove everything from that movie to get an R rating. Bullet hits and punches, punches, and, and cadaver. We had a cadaver in a tree. We couldn't show that. But the public caught on that it was a double standard, and the MPAA rating board, of course, uh, now doesn't, the ratings mean nothing. It began as a dream in peaceful paradise. It ended as a nightmare on a barrel house battlefield. They were average people, just like you and me. Little fella gonna be okay? (laughs) Until their vacation was cut short by a tragic plane crash. Whoever was flying that crate was an asshole. Stranded on an island full of ruthless international terrorists, these helpless civilians are hunted down like animals. They are captured, tortured, 
they are driven to the very limits of human endurance until they declare war. Let's kick some butt! Coma's War. It's the biggest. So they had to find another way. And the, because the Internet is allowing people like you and me to get to the public uh, without the mainstream, uh, you know, <laughs> putting a net over us, controlling us, owning us. But so that, that won't stand. They don't want that. So now they get together and uh, they control the Internet with two or three companies, which they do. The uh, Internet service providers like Comcast, AT&T, uh, and the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, of course. It's okay for, uh, you know, a Terrence Malick war movie, which has some disgusting thoughts in it, uh, and is boring as hell. That's okay to leave up, but not Troma's War. You're not going to monetize that. You're not going to put it on uh, Amazon because it's immoral. And it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with competition to uh, to uh, Dunkirk. we all got to watch Dunkirk which is a piece of shit, boring movie. I'm sorry, it cost $22. And we had to pay $22, my, my wife and I. We're poor old people. $22 a ticket to see Dunkirk, which was wow. such a bore. That's one thing I noticed. Like, when I was a little more naive, I thought, wow, you know, I'm seeing so many female breasts on television. I'm seeing butts. Like, things are really, like... Things are getting so much more progressive. Mm -hmm. Things are less, That's right. you know, conservative, et cetera, et cetera. But then I look at some of these films from the 1970s by, you know, the auteurs, like, let's say, I don't know, let's say The Devils or Holy Mountain or some of these crazy right. out there right. films. And I'm just like, holy shit, devil, like Holy Mountain or The Devils, they, that would never get made today. No. They never hey, made Blazing that. Saddles wouldn't get made today. Uh, Troma's the only one doing it. There's nobody other than the micro budget people out there who are, you know, who'll never get anywhere because of the system. Not because they're making bad movies; they're making they're great movies being made uh, uh, underground. But uh, you know, it's impossible. It's impossible to penetrate the hymen of the mainstream. When in the rare occasions that you do penetrate the hymen of the mainstream, you get fucked. And I've written six books about it, uh, and uh, I've experienced it, and I know what I'm talking about. So it's a bad situation. We we really, the, the getting rid of net neutrality really is a disaster. It's a cultural disaster. And this uh, social warrior justice thing where uh, you can't say anything, you know, you have freedom of speech as long as you don't say anything. <laughs> That's also a disaster. There's a scene from Poultrygeist. The one girlfriend there, the she starts yelling at. Uh, oh God, who's the main guy there? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And uh, so she's yelling at him, you know, and saying how this is on, uh, you know, Indian land, et cetera, et cetera. And and they she just pulls out the Indian chief and steps on his foot to make him make noise. He's so angry. Yeah, right. And then when they all make their point, they all take a big slurp of their Starbucks coffee. Oh. We will never rest while big business tramples over the rich history and culture of the Native Americans while simultaneously slaughtering countless innocent chickens. It's just, it's just hilarious. Yeah, and that was done in 2006. So, uh, again, we were way ahead of, you know, that's why the Toronto Festival didn't take it. It's a little too intelligent. It's too, a little too truthful. Yeah. Right? They want the status quo. These are uh, mediocre bureaucrats who are making our decisions uh, uh, about uh, world art, the art that the world civilization is going to see. And you have these ignorant, stupid, frightened, mediocre uh, bureaucrats uh, in that uh, gateway position. And it's a disgrace. But what are you going to do? I don't mean just Toronto. The New York F Film Festival had an idiot running it for f 35, 40 years, uh, um, uh, a real asshole. I don't know who they have now, but uh, I would assume a bunch of assholes again. 
Um, the Cannes Film Festival has progressively become fascist, and now it is fascist. And in fact, Cannes is in a part of France that was a big supporter of the Nazis. So, uh, you know, they're back to that. Wow. But the people in the streets love trauma. They love trauma. The police love trauma. It's the, it's the festival. It's the festival, basically. And Sundance, the same thing. They have no talent. They have no ingenuity. They have no forward-looking thinking. All they know is they've got big, fat salaries. They can take first-class airplanes. They eat at fancy restaurants that the artists could never eat at. So they want to preserve the status quo. They've got their ass in a tub of butter. Cannes, Toronto, New York. And, of course, uh, they all suck the dick of the big uh, studio heads, right? You know, that's what the uh, newspapers and the, uh, the uh, entertainment weeklies and the uh, gossip columns, uh, right? The head of the Toronto Film Festival just had dinner with uh, Mr. Sony and uh, Tom Cruise, and they went yeah. to the most expensive restaurant, and Kim Kardashian joined them, and then, and then Paris Hilton joined them, and, and uh, then another, uh, Michael Bay came over, and uh, all the wonderful people of the mainstream, right? This is the world we live in. And it wasn't that way. When, I, when Michael Hers and I started Troma, if you had something that was reasonably uh, interesting, reasonably uh, entertaining, uh, you could get it into 2,000 screens in the United States. Now we're lucky to get three. If I direct a movie, we can get about 300 screens at one at a time. It takes forever. It takes a full year. And I have to go to about wow. And I have to go to... I don't mind... But uh, you know, I, instead of writing the script or making a movie, I'm 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 portraying uh, Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman as I drag a giant uh, duffel bag full of trauma merchandise into a movie theater and have to wait until the movie's over and do a Q and A and sell uh, a couple of hundred bucks worth of merchandise. <laughs> yeah, it's pathetic. As I've been doing this podcast, I've come across topics I'm I'm fascinated in. You know, like. Wow, here's a woman who who f falls in love with objects, right? She has relationships mm -hmm. with them. That's the weirdest shit. I'm going to make a podcast mm -hmm. about that. And then I tell people and they're like, "Oh, that's weird. I don't want to listen to that." And I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about? That's weird. Yeah, you want yeah, don't want to yeah. listen to that." Or I've got another, you know, podcast idea where I actually found a couple that are they're into this thing called uh hot wifing and cuckolding and i'm like that's wild i, I want to talk to them i want to ask them like what the deal is with that uh, like did you ever come to a realization like this where you just thought wait a minute like what i i find actually interesting or what is actually interesting your average person doesn't want to hear or look at well my whole career is that uh, you know nobody <laughs> you know i'm totally on uh, you know i'm I get pushed deeper and deeper into the reeds of the underground by the uh, system, and um, uh, the um, I think I, I honestly I think that woman who's in love with the objects. Now, what what what? Uh, that's a very interesting thing. Is it a psychological thing or what? Well, they call it objectum sexuality. That's what they call it. She feels that the Statue of Liberty. Um, she she thinks that she's able to feel emotions come from the statue. So she loves the statue. She also was in love with her drum set before mm -hmm. that. And she was afraid that the drums would actually get jealous of the Statue of Liberty. I that's, think that's really interesting. Works. Now, uh, my daughter and I wrote a short story, which is in a book of short stories. I can't remember the name of the book. Uh, I personally uh, personify uh, my house keys or my phone. You know, I talk to them. Yeah. But I'm more the other way. They hate me. They're hiding. You know, where's that fucking pen? I, goddamn pen, I hate you. You're hiding somewhere. My daughter and I were also obsessed with this guy who uh, named Scavelli. He bought a drug company, and the pill that was $7, he raised it to $700. Uh, he was really arrogant, and he, he's got a 24-hour feed in his apartment so people can see him on, TV, you know, on the internet 24 hours, and he, you know, he's just a real piece of work. So we wrote a short story about him and the uh, and his attitude toward the objects called posthumous, posthumous, 
because he's always trying to get more uh, followers and more likes and more viewers. And I do talk to the objects, but it's usually that they're hostile to me, not that they love me. <laughs> yeah. You know, Oliver Sacks, the great uh, scientist who died recently, he wrote a book called The Man Who Thought His Wife Was a Hat. And he literally could not tell the difference between a hat and his wife. Something goes wrong with your brain. You know, you don't know what a fork is. You can't distinguish objects. He also talked about uh, the possibility of there being an evil gene, that Hitler was born evil. And I wrote an essay about it. Uh, it's on my website. Uh, the evil gene. When, when they yeah. shot those children in Connecticut, when that boy, the young man, shot the uh, children in Connecticut, uh, I wrote an essay. Uh, I did a little research, and then um, Oliver Sacks. Was, you know, I, I don't know if he got a Nobel Peace Prize, but he certainly got a lot of uh, fame and awards, and uh, he was a major, major expert on the brain uh, and other scientific areas. He was leaning in the direction that indeed there is an evil gene. So it leads to interesting ethical questions. If you can get a, uh, if you have a fetus in your body and it has the gene in it, do you get rid of it? <laughs> or do you want to know? It's like Gattaca, the <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah, right. <clears throat> anyway, any rate, I think your ideas are great. The cuckolding one sounds terrific. I think people would, would listen in. I wouldn't. If you're genuinely interested, I'd go for it. I mean, I make my movies. The movies that uh, I make, that I get involved in, are usually uh, 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 themes that uh, come out of the newspapers or that uh, are contemporary themes that I get obsessed with. You know, McDonald's moved in next door to us, and uh, you know, the, uh, the Troma building. They moved right next to the Troma building, and they were horrible neighbors. Well. They were terrible neighbors. And then we had rats the size of... Uh, I wrote, I've written the six books, and I talk a lot about this stuff. Um, they, they had rats the size of uh, raccoons that were in our basement during the weekends and shit all over the place. And, and eventually, then I read Fast Food Nation, and I learned that uh, the fast food industry is just a disgrace. And indeed, based on the behavior of McDonald's next door to us... <laughs> I, I really, I really uh, horrible. So um, uh, that's led to poultry, guys, <laughs> and uh, and it continues with the crap they're forcing the children in the in the American schools to eat. Uh, uh, you know, they, look at them. Look at the American kids. Look at them. That's all corporate yes, crap that's right. going they're on. Eating, they're, they're eating garbage. This. They're eating hormones and poison and garbage, and they're gaining. You know, we've got 40% of our population who are obese. Yeah, that was all in the movie, Poltergeist, yeah. which uh, I highly recommend everybody watch. And the, and the film, the pacing in that film was great. Like, I yeah. was never bored. It was wonderful. I, a good performance of yours, too, by the way. Well, thank film. you so much. And there are quite a number of directors. James Gunn, Trey Parker, uh, Mark Neveldine, who made uh, Crank. I don't know if you've seen Crank or Gamer. Uh, they're both very good movies. Uh, Gamers, a two hundred million dollar movie, but uh, and it's good. It didn't do well, but it's very good. And uh, he also did G uh, Crank and Crank Two, which were, uh, you know, I think ten million dollar movies, but they're terrific. They're really great. Lionsgate uh, distributed them, but he says the same thing. In a fair world, Poultry Geist would be a huge hit. That uh, they love Poultry Geist. James Gunn, Eli Roth, they all love it. They just we're in the underground. You know, Return to Newcom High was distributed by a vassal of one of the big conglomerates, and they did allow us to make a tiny profit, but it was very tiny. Poultry Geist, we lost every penny of it. Pretty, we lost ninety percent of the money. Wow! And my wife and I had to put the money up because wow. Troma has no money. So my wife and I put up the money for Poultry Geist. We literally lost ninety percent of the money. And uh, Volume Two, I imagine we'll lose all the money because uh, we have we do not have a vassal of the mainstream with us. Right, Volume One, they because uh, Stars uh, was able to get it on. Uh, all you know, everything. It was on all the uh, all the systems, all the cable things, and it, you know they they dumped okay. it, but they yeah. they you know they did okay with it. And, uh, they allowed us to get our budget back and a little more. But that's it. Wow. <laughs> no more. Yeah. Only a few crumbs. <laughs>
And we're on our own with volume two, so we need our fans to really mobilize. We got to step up. Get it out there, yeah. A great darkness is settling over Tromaville, and only two erect-nippled high school students can stop it. Return to, return to Newcomb High, a.k.a. Volume 2, deals with all the hot-button issues that are relevant to teenagers today, including bullying, junk food, and of course, lesbianism. Told by the only person who could tell it, a 70-year-old man. Prepare thyself for a cinematic adventure whose glory thine eyes hath never seen. What price in mortality will they survive? Will this be Lloyd Kaufman's possible swan song? Or duck song? In Troma's 42-year history, this is their biggest, breastest, bestest film of all time. At least into the theaters so people can see it on a big screen because it's much more fun. Uh, I was just, in, as I said, in, in Vancouver, and uh, it was really fun to see it in a you know, big movie theater, nicely projected, and uh, a big crowd who can see the background. You know, we have thousands of people in our movies, and... There's all sorts of little detail that you don't see in the small screen that uh, come, comes to life so much better on a big screen. Oh, God, yeah, I watched it on my cell phone, so I mean... Well, thanks for watching. <laughs> so you've been involved in film for, like, what is this, like 50 years now? I mean, you got started in the 60s, and this is number 5 This is the 50th year of my making feature-length movies. I can't even imagine that. That's amazing. And well, what's more shocking is that Troma's in its 44th year, which uh, there's yeah. never been an independent movie studio that has survived for anything close to that. And if you look around, there aren't any. There aren't any who are even 10 years old. If you want to see all these films, you can go to the Troma website. And uh, I think it's called, is it called Troma Well, that now? you have to pay Future for. Service. Those are all world premiere movies. Troma Now are world premiere movies. The first month is free. These are all the future James Gunn's and Trey Parker's and Eli Roth's and Samuel L. Jackson's. These are world premiere wonderful films that uh, cost five bucks a month. And it also helps support Troma if they don't want us to go out of business or they they would like to support these uh, these filmmakers uh, 5 bucks a month is nothing and um and then uh, Troma movies on YouTube we get we are giving away all our movies except for the world premiere movies we're giving them all to our fans and uh, they every week we put up uh, additional um, uh, movies or short or or make your own damn movie lessons or public service announcements, or new movie, uh, different movies. We put them up every week, and if you subscribe to Troma Movies on YouTube, you get an email telling you what the, what the uh, added uh, movie or short film or make-your-own-damn-movie video is this particular week. So it's uh, both services are great, but it would be great if, if people could sign up for uh, Troma now because uh, yeah. that helps us... Let's say you want to like produce a film with Tromo. What, what do you What do you need to do as an aspiring young filmmaker? You should uh, volunteer. Yeah. Uh, Fernando Ala, who is a Portuguese dude, uh, paid his own way to Niagara Falls, New York. Uh, slept on the floor, learned how to defecate in a paper bag, did some great special <laughs> effects from uh, for us. <laughs> And uh, now he is uh, directing in, uh, a movie in Portugal called Mutant Blast that we financed and we are producing. And uh, he's shooting this summer. And uh, and on top of it, the Portuguese, he applied to the Portuguese government. Uh, and they actually put in 250000 uh, bucks into, into a trauma movie. Yeah, a government, wow. a government actually. Not our government, of course, uh, not your government, but the Portuguese <laughs> government, <laughs> which is definitely interesting. And uh, Fernando, the only other, his first movie, which we distribute, is called uh, Banana Motherfucker, and it's free on Troma Movies, and it's hilarious. <laughs> Go look at it. It's very funny. Banana the, Motherfucker. The yeah. title wins. It's hilarious. That title yeah, wins. Yes, indeed, indeed. Wow. 
So uh, that's what you do. He volunteered. He made his own damn movie, and uh, he's making a trauma movie. And his own government, his government gave him money. Pretty good. I guess in these 50 years of film, give me like something that you learned during that uh, period in your life. Uh, do what you believe in. Uh, to thine own self be true. Uh, a phrase coined by one William Shakespeare who wrote that best-selling book, 101 Money-Making Screenplay Ideas, otherwise known <laughs> as Hamlet. Uh, the other thing I uh, suggest is uh, when you hear people say they have no regrets, that is bullshit. I got plenty of regrets. <laughs> you got to live gotta, with them. Yes, recognize them and uh, I don't know, live with them, but don't this horseshit where I have no regrets. It's impossible. I got so many fucking regrets. I've made so many mistakes. I regret being such a wise guy and mouthing off. And, uh, you know, uh, no wonder, the, and to some extent, no wonder the mainstream doesn't want to work with me. You know, I'm a wise guy. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't I have know. to be such a wise guy, right? You know, there, there's, a, there's a. I think there's like a balance that you maybe that needs to be struck. I don't know because the thing is that like if you're not a wise guy, it, it, the opposite of that is just being a. a well, boring, you don't want to be a pussy, but I wouldn't call smart. Eli Roth a pussy. I wouldn't call James Gunn or Trey Parker a pussies. They're doing what they want to do. They're getting what they want to get done in the mainstream. They're able to talk to the people who are the gatekeepers and the uh, the powerful people without uh, um, uh, offending them. I've never been able to do it. I just can't do it. I hate them so much. There is a, um, a way to get what you want from the mainstream, and there are great people. I'm a buddy with John Voight, right? John Voight's won at least one Oscar, probably, you know, who knows how many Oscars he's won. John Voight, one of the greatest American uh, actors of all time. He might actually be, is he from Canada? I can't remember. But, you know, he won Coming Home in Oscar. He won an Oscar for Coming Home. He was in Midnight Cowboy, which, by the way, had an X rating, uh, although distributed by United Artists. Um, you know, he's one of our great actors. He, he, he's the most decent person, the most honorable person, the, you know, totally speaks his mind, but uh, knows how to do it in a really nice idealistic way you know he's a good guy and, uh, and there are plenty of other people in the mainstream who are, who are wonderful people uh, and i have had very little experience with the mainstream most of the people i know from the mainstream have come up through the ranks of trauma and they're the best they're the absolute best well not oliver stone oliver stone uh, i discovered him <laughs> and he's a he's a maniac he's a decent he's a absolutely a hundred percent decent and honorable, but he's uh, a pretty nasty guy. I grew up with. I grew up with. That's him. a whole other story. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but he's uh, incredibly talented. He's incredibly talented, but uh, he's got some issues. <laughs> and I would bet he has lots of regrets, whether he admits it or not. He's got to have lots of regrets. Uh, or one of them might be beating the crap out of you. Right? <laughs> no, he probably. You and he and uh, he and no, plenty no, of others no, are probably, probably very happy about that. But um, <laughs> but I'm sure he has. Uh, I'm sure he has other regrets. Listen, uh, Lloyd. Thanks so so much for giving me your well, time. Well, thank you, and uh, thank the good city of Montreal for being such a wonderful city. I, I absolutely love Montreal. Every I've been all, I've been there both for film festivals and just vacation and uh, it's uh, just the most beautiful lovely city so uh, thank you both <laughs> and uh, Chateau de Sex for life well that's about it for this episode I'd really like to thank Lloyd for being on the program it was a great honor to talk to him I've watched several trauma movies before and uh they're all just a hoot. Uh, you can check out everything Troma over at Troma.com. That's T-R-O-M-A dot com. Uh, if you're interested in watching some of the previous movies as a public service to their fans, Troma's actually put up classics like The Toxic Avenger over on the YouTube channel for Troma. So search that out. And also, Troma Now is a new service that allows you to watch all the latest and greatest trauma films for a very minimal monthly fee that goes to help this amazing long-running studio 
continue producing films. Um, now, Lloyd may have seemed a bit bummed out during the interview, a bit angry, actually. Um, it's about a very, very important cause called net neutrality. And uh, actually, around the day of the interview, the uh, closing of the public comment period with the FCC for net neutrality uh, had just passed or was about to pass, and things didn't look very good at all. So um, this is a very important matter. It affects everything, including this website. Definitely Troma's ability to um, do services like Troma now. So um, do do educate yourselves. If you go to the Electronic Frontier Foundation, for instance, that's EFF.org uh, slash issues slash net dash neutrality. There'll be a link in the notes. Um, that'll give you more information about what net neutrality is all about and why it's so, so very important for web content producers and also consumers as well. Um, I'd like to thank author and filmmaker Tim Chismar, that's T-I-M-C-H-I-Z-M-A-R, for putting me in touch with Lloyd over at Troma. I'd known about Lloyd and also known about Troma for a long time, but I had never actually contacted them, and uh, Tim was able to do that for me. So thank you, Tim, for that. I'd like to thank also the Fantastic Plastics for the theme music, and you can check out their music over on Apple Music and Google Play and everywhere where you get your music these days. So as always, if you need information about previous episodes or you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you can go to sharesliceplicepodcast.com. So there'll be links for you to do those things there, and also there'll be a feedback form as well. Feedback is always, always, always appreciated. Thanks so, so much for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time. Oh, God damn it, Arby! I ain't doing this shit this time! Well, why not? Because you're doing it! Now you take this motherfucking mop and get to it! All of these fried chicken wings that I'm serving They make me yearn for your breast, legs, and thighs My hunger for you is unswerving Without you my heart starves and all these protests and speeches I'm making To end chicken suffering and slaughter His only response is that I'm faking That I'm gay like Dick Cheney's daughter My meat in your buns made such special sauce Gay seems my way to quote Robert Frost Could be nostalgia for all that is lost Could it be that our love is star-crossed? Oh, I sure miss Your shake makes me shiver You're a happy meal sent from above Can this drive through called life deliver A heavenly slow fast food love Since that night all I have is so